0: We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. I want to welcome all of our listeners and our viewers tonight to another edition of Healing Stories Podcast, and it's my great honor uh, to be with Mark Hoy. Who is a very well written author uh, over three books, and one that I can say personally, I just finished The Pursuit of Happiness, uh, that, that, that piece that, that you wrote that I felt was just tremendous. And, Mark, as we do with all of our guests, uh, I would like you just to tell us who you are. Uh, where are you today? And just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Martin. I appreciate that, and I, I'm really happy to be here talking to you this evening. Um, my name is Mark Hoy. Uh, my author's name T M Hoy, and I'm an author. But um, I'd like to think of myself as somebody who's working for change. And uh, I'm also one of the directors of a charity called Speaking From Our Hearts, which is about helping people who've been through trauma to kind of heal and to um, what I call find the path with heart, which is where you're living your values and your visions and uh, you're, you're realizing your passions. You're creating a life that's worth living. And so I work very hard at that.
0: Uh, One of the things that is so obvious to uh, many when they come in contact with your work is that you yourself have been through a story. And I wonder if you could just begin by telling us your early life, uh, your early childhood, were there pieces of that where you look back and you say there was this spirit that was coming? Uh, you talk a lot about the spirit within, uh, are there things that began early on that, you know, uh, were really, uh, you time for you to say something's going on here?
1: Yeah, I think I've always had, um, kind of, um, mm, a spiritual, a lot of spiritual experiences from very young age. Um, I, when my uh, my great uncle died, um, I was sure that he visited me. And it was just a, it was a very interesting thing because um, I woke up one evening and um, I was always afraid of the dark. So my room was, uh, the door was always ajar so I could have the hallway light on. And he was standing at the foot of my bed and I had this wonderful feeling of peace. And I felt so relaxed. And there was just a feeling that came over me of everything's cool, Mark. Everything's great. And he was smiling at me. And so I said, great, my uncle Vic's here. And I jumped up to the end of the bed and uh, he, he went into the hall and vanished. So make a long story short, I searched the house, he was not there. And later it turned out that my gran- my uncle Vic had died at that very time. And that was the first funeral that my parents allowed me to attend. And ever since then, I've had a lot of experiences like that over the years, where I knew that there was something beyond this life. I knew that we survived death in some way. And um, so that was a very, that was very formative. But The experiences that led to me writing the book were quite different. I actually became somebody that, looking back in retrospect, I really wasn't a good person. Mm. And I sort of followed a path that was like the path of least resistance and a very common one in our society where you're chasing material things and you're chasing the things that society puts out there and says, this is what you need to be a success. And that led me to a very dark place
0: and you know you talk about this in in various ways and maybe just to allow the the audience the the those who are listening i i know you start from that spot where you were in thailand and maybe recounting a little bit of that uh and in your own words because i think that's one of the defining things for you as as i listen, as i read about who you are
1: right yeah that's true um essentially um to put it in a nutshell um There was a friend of mine, and he was, um, I was his conservator. I was taking care of him. He wasn't able to read or write, but I was in charge of his financial affairs. And um, so I brought him to Thailand with me. I'd been living in Asia for a long time. And um, there was nobody to take care of the guy. He couldn't even use an ATM machine. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of regrets and misgivings here, but I I brought him with me to live with me in Northern Thailand. And um, he got in an argument with my girlfriend at the time and strangled her. And so I had a terrible choice to make. And um, I wasn't thinking clearly, I was drinking heavily, and uh, I helped him cover up the murder rather than go to the Thai police who I feared because they were known to torture foreigners. And uh, again, making a very long story short, uh, essentially what happened, what followed was that I wasn't able to pay the bribe that the uh, police and then later the prosecutor and the judge demanded. And so I went through hell and uh, I went to uh, prison. I spent the next 16 years in prison. And what I experienced there was transformative because I was surrounded by death. Mm -hmm. And I watched hundreds and hundreds of people die really horrible deaths uh, from many different causes. And what that does for most people is either drive them insane or they die or they become drug addicts. And for me, what happened was quite different. Um, I actually paid attention to the lessons that were around me and realized that, wow, you know what? (laughs) You really don't need that much to be happy. You really don't need that much. And it transformed me. And I changed fundamentally as a person and decided, you know what, what led me here? I don't wanna be that person anymore. And I know, I can see, I may not know exactly how to get there But I can see that there's light at the end of this tunnel, and I know the way that I need to go to change and and get out of that. And that ultimately led to the discoveries that uh, resulted in the book.
0: Just a powerful way to express a, a moment in your story that you could have gone in two paths. And when you reflect on it, what what was it that you think made you go to the path of, uh, the, the, of, of a light, of some sense that there were guides with you? You talk about this in the book, you know, <coughs> Jungian kind of guides along the way. What was happening there? And did it all happen at the moment uh, in prison and all of a sudden it opened? Or was it a series mm-hmm. of things that took place where you said, you know, yeah. these are some, I always look for confirmation, Mark. You know, uh-huh. I mean, what were kind of the confirmations that you can go forward after such a significant thing happened in your life? Because I think that's a lot of what a lot of people listening today are feeling. Uh You know, I have something very significant happening. Mark, can you help me to get on the right path uh, towards this light?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, trauma... uh, any kind of trauma, and there's many kinds of trauma. There's trauma from poverty. There's trauma from violence. There's trauma from all kinds of things. And um, they all have that root um, where it's a lack of connection, Hmm. where you feel alienated and you feel alone and you feel helpless. And what what began the transformation for me was um, I began practicing shamanism. I had a very dear friend of mine (laughs) from Vienna, Okay. And he was there with me. Hmm. And we began studying different things. Um, there's a particular book. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called The Urban Shaman hmm. by Geekly King. I have seen Anyway, it. Uh-huh. It, it's a brilliant book. Uh-huh. And it's about Hawaiian shamanism. And we began practicing that. And then the other thing that was very transformative also where I was surrounded by hill tribe people and they are people that are um, they're from the jungles of northern Thailand and they're very stoic but they're loving and they're caring and um, the sad fact is that they die in huge numbers there in Thai prison um, due to the fact that there's nobody to take care of them, they're cut off from their people because they don't have they're not literate and most of them don't even speak Thai, they speak English because of the tourists but they don't even speak Thai but What was amazing is in my interactions with so many of them, um, you realize they they taught me many things. And uh, one of the most important things really is that um, you have to really examine yourself and you need to realize that the world is not what we think it is. Mm. And we're really not the people we think we are. Mm. And things are not difficult and things are not hard things are not complicated we make them that way but the reality is is things are very simple and if you step back from yourself and you let go of the ego a little bit and you let go of the self-importance all of a sudden you're like yeah you know it's not (laughs) it's not so bad you're Uh okay you're gonna be okay Uh and and that was that was amazing to me that you have these people living in the midst of this terror and filth and disease and horror and they're able to smile and laugh and be you know what it's all right just relax
0: (laughs) you know and it's (laughs) fascinating because we're surrounded by so much That Uh this perspective that you have been given and that you're now giving to the world came out of really a a very dark uh, place. And it was almost that it grew from that place. And so possibly as people who are listening to say, uh, this might be an embracing of, of a gift. And it's very right. hard to see that when you're going through it. But as right. you look back and you quote Cicero in the book and saying the unexamined life is not worth living, I totally right. thought that was Aristotle, so I blew the quote. But, I mean, <laughs> in, in terms of the research that you've done, you're help, helping us to say, wait, just pause and and not to feel alone because it isn't alone. Uh, and even being in a prison, I mean, what was that like? To I mean, that had to be a very lonely, alone experience. <sighs>
1: Ultimately, it was I made a lot of really good connections and there were a lot of wonderful people that I met um, through that experience. It was a very long experience, okay. um, it, but it was um, if that's really what is the heal. that's the core of healing is it begins by forgiving yourself and healing your relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and then extending that outwards to others. But it's about connections, mm-hmm. making a, a real connection with yourself first and, and liking yourself and then extending that out to where you're reaching out to others and making connections there. And that is what's transformative.
0: You're really uh, helping us to say kind of what is it that I... Uh, tell myself or what is it that I make myself believe that this could mm-hmm. be the beginning pathway into happiness and mm-hmm. why is that so hard for us to speak well to ourselves uh, why do you think it is that we're almost trained to the minute our feet hit the ground you're behind um, or you're, you're just talking to yourself in a way that isn't beautiful that, that doesn't love uh, mm-hmm. what are some ways that we could maybe uh, develop a sense of peace in that voice that tells us that we are beautiful i I think people need to hear that
1: yeah absolutely um first off it's not it's not Mm -hmm. difficult it you just have to step back and realize that most of what you've been told uh, you've been told for a reason and it's to keep society going Mm -hmm. and it's not the stuff that's going to make you happy the things that you've been taught are mostly lies, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, The reality is, is that material things don't really matter. If you contemplate just for a moment and think about what is it that really matters when you're about to die, if you're willing to face your mortality, that is transformative. And what you realize is that what matters is that what matters is the people that you love and the people that love you, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And what really, really, truly matters to your heart is whether you've lived the life that you feel you were born to do. Have you done the things that are the most important to you? And that has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with material possessions. It has nothing to do with status. It has nothing to do with the values that the world says are the ones you should chase. Mm-hmm. So, if you're able to step back a little bit and just stop and start that conversation where you begin and say, Wow, what is it that really is worth dying for? What is it that's really worthwhile? What do I care most about? What do I love? What makes me passionate? And when you marry that with your values, that's the path with heart, and that is what leads to a meaningful, happy life. Now, it's it's not difficult in that it only requires a pause and a willingness to really examine your current life in light of what's important to you, your real values. If you can do that, it, you, you have the key. Yeah. That's all. You just have to be willing to do that. Most people never stop. Most people never even realize that that, is the doorway.
0: One of the things you talk about is how do you get into the doorway and one is by walking. And I love mm-hmm. what you said in terms of the research from Stanford. I mean 60 uh, percent increase of creativity as you walk I explained this to my son as we were walking he's a three and a half year old he didn't have a clue what dad was talking about but as a a family we're walking all around and I'm just thinking you know build it in I mean Mark's talking about this in his book I mean build in the ways that you can enter into this open door and I love what you know Dickens walked and you know uh, all these people uh, three hours a day and we forget in a fast pace how much You talk about the nature and these kind of methods that I think help open up our minds. And maybe just talk a little bit about that because I do think people need some methods and practices.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's many, many techniques and, and uh, tools that uh, the book, you know, Lasting Happiness, I go over all this stuff. But certainly for listeners, one thing that you can always do that um, whenever you feel kind of overwhelmed, but it's also good for moments of inspiration, is when you're facing an insoluble problem, just do a little breathing exercise and take a five-minute break and just count breaths. So take a deep inhale maybe to the count of three to or five, hold it for two or three seconds, and then gently release it. And if you focus on the number, you know, like three in, or three seconds in, three seconds, holding it, three second release, whatever number you like, you can change it up. Whatever feels comfortable, a breathing pattern that's comfortable and do that for five minutes. What's going to happen is you're focusing on these numbers and you forget all the trivia of the day. And now you've got a clean slate moving forward. And when you drop the problem for a little while and you just meditate like that, a simple breathing exercise, and then go about your day, don't worry about the problem and A lot of times inspiration will strike. That's one way that is really good Um, to focus on it concentrate on it, look at it, and then let it go. And just take a brief pause and then move on, and inspiration will strike. Another one that's really, really good, again, is that walking exercise. But do it where there's something enjoyable or something that you can focus on. Um, walking with a child is perfect because they're going to demand your attention. And so if you have a problem, think about it before the walk, and then focus on something completely different. And that's oftentimes when inspiration will strike. And both of those are very very good methods for uh, creating inspirational moments.
0: It's wonderful. I, I was wrong in introducing it's not the pursuit, it's lasting. Lasting happiness, but you know, Lasting is, I think, what most people want. They, and I worry that the culture is one that is pursuing so much. So it, it was right in my thinking because it, it's not that people can uh, – really keep going at finding it because you are telling us lasting is within us and in right. that journey of, of what is within that uh, I, I I don't know who said that but this space between the mind and the heart could be the greatest distance that one travels <laughs> in their entire life um, mm. and why is it that thinking is such a part of um, the obsession. Uh, why is it so hard for us to just be in this presence, just as you and I are tonight? Um, mm-hmm. It's almost as if you are, were listening to each other, but not with the thinking, but with the presence.
1: Mm-hmm. I think what many people, and this is a huge problem also, that what guides our lives is not the thinking part. Our conscious mind isn't really the guide; it isn't the controller. What we what we don't understand the brain is actually three layers. You've got the reptile root that we share with fish and reptiles, which is really primitive, and but it's again it's moved by emotions. And um, you know the brain that was built on top of that was the mammalian brain, which is all about feelings. And finally, on top of that is the neocortex. And these three layers, the topmost one has the least control. Yeah. And that's the thinking part that we think, oh, yeah, we're running stuff. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. What happens is that feeling brain runs stuff and decides this is what's going to happen mm-hmm. because we want it to happen. We feel it. If you don't feel an emotion, it doesn't happen because you're indifferent. We don't care. Emotions are what lead to actions. And that feeling part of ourselves decides what our life's going to be. And what happens is our conscious mind doesn't realize, and most people never learn this, that you have to, you can't order things. You can't, that's why addictions aren't amenable to thought processes. You have to. You have to kind of jolly yourself along. you got to get in touch with that wordless part of yourself. It operates by feelings. And when you develop a good relationship with that feeling part, now change becomes possible. But people don't realize that. They try to order it and demand, and it doesn't succeed. And so they follow a life plan that's not really where they want to go because those feelings, that part of ourself is trained very young. And the lessons it learns oftentimes are very, very negative and and very destructive and the patterns that are established very young. And the only way to change that is through feeling itself. And developing a good, trusting relationship with the feeling self—the the, you know what psychologists often call the inner child—and mm-hmm. when you develop that good relationship, it trusts. Now it begins to trust the thinking portion a bit more, mm-hmm. and now it's open to suggestion. But again, it's through dreams and images and ideas that have visual impact not through demands and verbal logic it doesn't that you have to convince it through hey look this is fun look at what would happen if we have a great body at summertime mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's how you get to the gym and mm-hmm. the great body mm-hmm. um, if you want to get to uh, a point where you're doing things that that make you happy it's like you got to show the way and convince your inner self here that inner speechless part that this is going to make you happy this is going to make you feel good this is going to be worth doing and it's worth some sacrifice to get there if you don't have that conversation if you don't open that relationship then it doesn't happen and you're just dragged kicking and screaming along for the ride Mm. and and most people live
0: lives that way yeah Uh, i was talking with uh, someone in our office today who cleans the bathrooms and i Mm -hmm. always ask him how's it going and what's Mm -hmm. your lesson for today and you know Mm -hmm. what he said to me it was in your book he said be careful of following everybody else's plans for you Be careful of following everybody else's dreams. And I was so struck by that, you know. And maybe if anyone's out there, just go talk to your custodians. I mean, don't forget to talk to all the people who you think you could just walk by. They have such great lessons, you know. And I don't know if when you were – you talked about some of those hill people. But in your experience, isn't it some of these simple people – who we come in contact with, I mean, the people who are going to be incarcerated for their lives, and the people who you would maybe just look past, who, who really could offer us some of these lessons that we're talking about tonight. I, I, I don't know. I, I think of who you acknowledge in the in the final part of your book with your aunt. I, I imagine she was one of these simple people, maybe to talk a little bit about them.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of folks in there. My aunt actually is not one of the simple people, (laughs) but she's a sweetheart. I love her dearly. My aunt Nellie, bless her. Um, Wonderful woman. But no, she's, she's as waspy as they get. (laughs) (laughs) But um, there are many people that had a deep influence on me that were folks that uh, I think what it, what it is, is that they are more in touch with that part Mm -hmm. and The rest has kind of stripped away for one reason or another. And I think anybody that experiences trauma Mm -hmm. or that has a life that has been impacted significantly that way by pain Mm -hmm. and loss and suffering, and that is transformative. And you realize that all the things that we're taught are important generally are values that aren't real. They're not core to ourselves. And um, making a connection again with our real core brings us back to values that matter. And um, many people choose simple paths because it's stress-free. Hmm. It's a life without stress and worry, and, and that, is, that is really profound. That choice is where you give up the material world in many ways for a life that's much smoother and, and gentler and more peaceful. And um, it's a choice that is uh, most people never consider.
0: Hmm. So much is in terms of the pace, and when we talk with people, what do they say, I don't have any time. And Mm -hmm. and so everyone moves to this. I was with uh, some researchers the other day, and they said, all I want is time. And I thought, (laughs) well, how do you help people? with that and, and that that is our greatest poverty to me it, it seems somewhat um it, it's just it doesn't make sense to me that that this is where we're at in this consciousness right now but it i i can't not uh acknowledge these people's almost pain that they have no time uh how how are you looking at this from a perspective of of kind of your own life of what do you do with people who so, say you know i just don't have any time anymore
1: I would say that um, again, it's not it's not really that difficult. You have to look at your life and think of it, get some perspective, and decide what really is important, what's vital, and what's not. And your, our lives are cluttered with stuff that we do that isn't really that important. And so people they say they have no time, but then ask how much time are you spending on that computer? Hmm. How much time are you spending on social media? How much time are you spending on the telephone? Talk well, people don't talk anymore. But how much time do you spend texting? How much time do you spend on weird, silly stuff? And um, when you when you think about how technology has encroached so much on the modern life and then you add in all the things and the, the distractions that we have and you know you look at your day and what is it absorbed by and most of that stuff is not has nothing to do with what's really important to you
0: one of the things that i appreciate about your book it came out of what was important to you were images Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder in terms of this time discussion, how many of us uh, take time to be mindful of images? And could you talk a little bit about how you chose those images all the way through the book? Because I thought they were very powerful, Mark.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I really am glad you like this. Um, I went hunting. I had to go hunting for them. Okay. And there's a there's an enormous, I'm very lucky with this, um, there's an enormous number of archive, image archives out there now that are free, okay. royalty-free. And I went hunting because I knew, it, I had in my heart, I said, you know, I've got to capture some of these emotions. I've got to find pictures that express those and i was very fortunate i almost felt like i was guided Mm -hmm. and they popped right up one after the other and it was great and i was like okay yeah i'm doing the right thing i'm 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 in the Mm dow i'm i'm doing the right thing because they're being given to me and i'm like oh what a blessing and i'm glad i'm really happy you liked them
0: you could almost see at the beginning the um parched earth the Uh uh cracked earth and then by the end, there is this vivacious um, kind of color that takes place. And it was almost as if what was happening in your story was coming from the cracked earth into trying to find the beauty and the expression of who you are, which I believe all of us go through, right? And it's not as if that's that's done. It, it I would imagine that this continues and um, how to not just stay in the cracked earth or, or the way of, of desolation, but to... To, to keep knowing that that exists out there to, to find the beauty that that really was part of your inspiration and I'm grateful for that
1: I'm glad I'm really I, it's really heartening to hear I'm really glad that you felt that
0: do you have uh, things that you'd like to do to talk about your foundation or where you feel you're moving next
1: sure um, it, the the organization is called speaking from our hearts hmm. dot org, okay and um, it's with a fellow. It's actually a podcaster who's oh. a dear friend of mine named Paul Lowe. And we created this thing. Well, actually, it's his creation originally. But the way we've gone is kind of my vision and a combination of things. And what we're working on right now is creating an app uh, that prevents youth suicide. Okay. And there's an enormous problem out there. Um, it's not just youth but that's where we're starting. And um, because there's a number of different initiatives that people are doing that are part of our group. But what we're trying to do is reach people that are in a like kind of like that apathetic, despairing place. Um, there's so much violence, there's so much conflict, there's so many problems, and we're trying really hard to do something to solve that, to reach out to people that desperately need hope, that desperately need a way out. And the path with heart is, is, is that way. Um, you know to it's basically where we help people to it's like you need to decide on what kind of story your life tells and then live it mm-hmm. and and that's what we're trying to help people do and um so that's the project that i'm working on really hard right now um but it is it is part and parcel of the book itself because it kind of grows from it
0: mm-hmm well and I appreciate that working in the space with people who work their whole lives to help others that we know that this can be a real temptation then to not look at your own story but then it's to focus on everybody else's story and the pain that people carry uh, and not having some form of release I, I think is a real a uh, place that health systems and others need to learn because we know that the opioid epidemic and and the levels that people are engaging with um, narcotic or whatever it is, is now that are painful is going to be the work of the body is going to be the work of meditation. It's going to be the work of connection, as you Mm -hmm. said. And I would imagine that the foundation is coming into that space uh, to draw connections for people rather than we just move so quickly into um, the drugs in some regards. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, healing. Healing is really, um, you know, as I'm sure you've picked up from the book where it's it starts with the self. You got to heal yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And that's hard Mm. uh, in the sense that many people can't or or won't or are terrified of doing that. But that's where it begins. And if you can forgive yourself and kind of try to make amends as best you can. And then move to where you have a healthy relationship with yourself. Then extend that outward to others. And if you can do that, you're well on your way to happiness. But that's really what it consists of: is getting that, getting your relationships healthy, starting with the one with yourself. And um, there's many components to it. But again, it's not it's not difficult. It's just being willing to change. People, um, I think many people give up. Um, they they have absorbed ideas that don't work, they followed paths that don't work and they just despair and give up and end up you know, going a negative road. But there is real help there. There is, and there's a lot of people out there. um, Like with Paul, I've met a whole bunch of really wonderful people who work really hard to try and change the world for the better and are really caring, loving, compassionate people. And there's a huge number of them out there um, working to make the world a better place. And so it's just a matter of connecting the two, of connecting people that are despairing and and saying, no, there is a different way. There is a way that works and it's not about money and it's not about material things and it's not about power. It's not about youth or beauty or status or any of those things. What it is is it's about healing yourself and then healing the relationships of others. And if you are willing to do that, then everything will be transformed and love starts flowing in your life and wow, now you have an exciting, wonderful, passionate life that's worth living.
0: And that is what I'm so grateful for tonight, Mark, is that you give us that uh, confidence in ourselves of everyone who is listening, that you can find this in yourself. You can heal. And it takes connection. And just as you have said that this perspective is there for you to grab, uh, but it takes your yourself believing in that. Isn't it true?
1: That's absolutely right, Martin. Thank you. That's a beautiful way of putting it. It just, it is, it's that simple. It's just that change of perspective and a willingness to endure just a little bit of pain, which is involved in self-examination. And once you take a step or two on that road and you begin to feel that relief, you realize Oh, wow. It's not that hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can do this. That's I can heal. I can change and make my life what, it, what I want it to be and become the person I was born to be.
0: That's good. Well, I want to thank you for being with us tonight and uh, letting your story uh, give us that hope and letting us be confident that our story can be what we want it to be.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Martin. I really appreciate being here tonight. It was wonderful talking with you. Yeah. I could talk with you for hours.
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. Uh, you, you take care, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll be in touch soon. Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories.